Well, hello church, I hope you're well. Uh, this wasn't the way I wanted to be with you this morning. Uh, my son Tom had a positive lateral flow test this morning, so we're at home, being safe, um, everyone's okay here. Um, so this morning we are in the second talk in our community series. Last week we had those amazing baptisms. Um, the week before, Tim kicked us off with the first in that series about being devoted to one another in love. Um, and really, we, we're kind of looking at a chapter in Romans chapter 12. And Paul, for the first 11 chapters, has really laid out the gospel. And now, in this chapter, he says, in light of the gospel, live like this. And so Tim kicked us off with being devoted to one another in love. And today, we're talking about honoring others above ourselves. So in Romans 12, verse 10, the second half, this is our passage. It says, honor one another above yourselves. These five words are probably could be one of some of the most challenging in all of Scripture. And the NIV translation doesn't quite get to the aggression which I think the Greek is trying to get to. Uh, the ESV says, outdo one another in showing love. I think that's more like it. Um, honor is one of our uh, culture words here as a church alongside authenticity and courage and generosity. And we want people to to know and feel and imbibe this word when they come into this community. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't really know the significance of honour until we as a leadership team studied it and realised the impact of what honour can have on a whole community. I realised that honour is, is like the operating system of the Kingdom of God. And if I want honour if, if I want the kingdom of God to be bursting out everywhere, then I need to live my life through the lens filter of honour. The problem is that I think honour is misunderstood. On the one hand, especially in our Western culture, we can really come across a complete lack of honour and respect, especially of those in authority. I have heard kids tell their parents to F off in the supermarket. I've spoken to teachers who talk about the moment where they just lose the classroom, even though they are the adult in the classroom who's been designated and given authority in that space. It doesn't mean anything. I was brought up in South Africa, and uh, South Africa has a, a Western outlook, but it's probably about 20 years behind the progress of the UK. And um, on my first day of school when I came here, um, we were sitting in the classroom before the teacher had come in. And then as soon as the teacher came in, I did the honourable thing, which I've been taught from day one, and stand up um, because an adult has come into the room. And to my embarrassment, I was the only one standing, which made a, an interesting impression on the rest of my class. But if a lack of honour is what we find in the West, sometimes there can be a pendulum swing the other way in more Eastern cultures. Too high a value of honour can actually lead to abuse. Immorality and abuse can be covered up for the sake of holding on to honour. In some of these cultures, leadership is often never challenged, and that can be dangerous. And in, stream, and in extreme conditions, in some of these cultures, we hear about honour killings, where it is deemed necessary to kill someone, even a family member, to avoid shame coming on the family. So where does that leave us, particularly in a culture where 
individual identity is valued above anything. Self-actualization at all cost, right? Even sacrificing truth for the sake of self seems to be the way. Everything is found from within, right? As a culture, we're happy to, we're happy with honor as long as it's about honoring and protecting our identity. And even if you're not a Christian here today, I imagine that you're not really convinced by this social paradigm that we find ourselves in. Well, the good news is that God has a better way. Honor is so central to God's design. I could spend really a whole hour just exploring what the Bible says about it, but I'll spare you that. But what is honor then? And what is its antithesis? Honor is the recognition of value and contribution and importance of others. It is the placing of value on another person. If glory is the implicit value that something possesses, then honor is your personal choice to recognize that value. You see, God's glory is not going to be diminished whether you recognize him or not. He will still be glorified regardless. But honor is you recognizing that glory. And if honor is attributing value, then contempt is a lack of reverence and respect. When you show contempt, you are lowering someone's value in your mind and in your heart. You dismiss them. And you might say, well, yeah, you know, I I understand that it's good to be nice to each other. That's a good way to get on with people. Well, there's just so much more to it than that. And so I just want to look at some big demonstrations of honor in the Bible. Firstly, honor is our future destiny. This is what it says in Revelation 5, verse 11 to 14. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They were encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. I mean, the scope here in this passage is that every creature, all of creation, above and below the sea, will one day ascribe honor to God. If you're a Christian here today, this is your future. I hope you're enjoying honoring God now because it will be your eternity. Then we also see honor in the Trinity in John 5, verse 22 to 23. Um, it says, moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. How about this one? Honor God with your bodies. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20 Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The Greek word for price is time, which means honor or value. You were bought with value, so value. 
You were bought with a price, price, so prize God with your bodies. This is one of my favorites. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first command with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Well, this is our family's memory verse every day. But jokes aside, I mean, the promise that goes with this command is staggering. It will bring long life on earth. (laughs) Basically, it will transform your culture. The correlating negative is that children, if you don't obey your parents, then your culture will lead to self-destruction. So there are some areas of the Bible. I mean, a church leader called John Tyson says, honor is your destiny. Honor is in the Godhead. Honor is in creation. Honor is in sexuality. We're called to honor him with our wealth, in our family, in our parenting, in the church. It is the operating system of God. And if we don't get honor right, then we don't get the Christian life right. So if we really dig deep into the theme of honor in the Bible, really we can um, distinguish three areas uh, where we see honor. Honoring God, God honoring us, and us honoring others. And so we already saw what honoring God looks like so clearly in that Revelation 5 passage. Scripture is just littered with the praise and honor of God. Uh, Another church leader and writer called Simon Holly says, God honor is the culture of heaven. But why is it that God seeks honor from us, but he doesn't want us to seek honor from others? Well, you see, if God is the ultimate good in the universe, and we are not, if he can satisfy the longing and desire of the human heart, then why would he want us to chase after anything that is second rate? If just being in his presence, we become better human beings, we become more honorable, and in turn, we change cultures and societies because of just being in his presence, then surely God honor is our ultimate good. One of the most beautiful pictures that we see of God honor is in an interaction with Jesus in Luke 17. Um, We see Jesus anointed by a woman uh, with perfume. And in this account, we're not really sure about this woman's social status. We get an inkling through retellings elsewhere that she may have been dishonorable, maybe because of something in her past. And what she does is she takes her most expensive possession, a jar of pure nard. I mean, this would have cost an absolute bomb. And she pours it out on Jesus' feet. All she has to bring honor, even her most expensive possession. And she even gives up honor for herself. Um, If she wasn't dishonored before, she did this act, she definitely was afterwards. Even the disciples said, what a waste. And so she, see what happened is she recognized the value of Jesus and she brought to him the most costly possession she had to recognize his value to her. She probably thought, guys, what are you on about? This jar of pure knowledge comes nowhere close to the value of Jesus. It's just that that's all I had. And you know, what is even more fascinating about the story is not even how she honored Jesus, but then how Jesus honored her. 
In that moment, Jesus ascribes honor to her in front of everyone. In fact, such great honor that he says, wherever this message is preached, the, the, the gospel is preached, this story needs to be told in memory of her. The dishonored in a moment becomes highly honored. Why? Because Jesus decides to associate with her. She's with me, he says. And that moves us on to the most extraordinary honor that we find. An honor that really sets the Christian faith apart from anything else on this planet. God honors us. And we see this quite clearly in this story. But there is another story um, that shows us even, even better. Um, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, or maybe you're not even a Christian, I bet you a Christian would have told you the story of the prodigal son. And here we see the ancient Eastern culture of honor shame so vividly demonstrated. A young son completely and utterly dishonors his father, claiming his inheritance before his father is even dead. And then he goes out and indulges in anything and anyone that he desires. I imagine the father's neighbors may have even said to the father, I hope your son is dead because he has brought shame on your family. The son squanders everything. He's down to his last penny and he desires just to eat what the pigs are eating that he's looking after. So hungry he is. And he thinks to himself, what if I made myself a slave to my father or even a hired worker? I'll be the least of the least and somehow I'll just earn my way back to some sort of value and bring some sort of honor back to my father. Meanwhile, the father is not hoping that his son is dead in any way. Um, the father is on the lookout. He is desperate to restore his son. He's desperate to restore honor back to his son. He sees his son coming and he does something to dishonor himself. Again, he lifts up his robes and he starts running, something that a man in his in this time and his status it would never do, it would be shameful. He comes to the son, the son can't even start to perform his speech to his dad about what he will do for him. The father restores him right there and there. He says, bring a ring and a robe, put it on him, kill the most valuable animal that we have because I value this one. He was lost and now he's found. I choose to associate again with him. This is the story of our Father God. From the day that we chose our own way, from the day that we chose to our own honor, he has been pursuing us to redeem us, to demonstrate our value to him again. Image bearers of the Father, crowned with glory and honor. Do we deserve it? Absolutely not. It is all grace. The biblical principle of honor is not based on performance, but identity. Jesus, God's only son, performed in our place. He lived the perfect life and now we are found in his perfection and seen by the Father through him. We, we don't have to perform to be in the family. Faith in Jesus means that we are in the family. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, you can have a relationship with him too. It is a free gift, but it will cost you everything. 
I want to encourage you, don't leave this place or tune out before you've spoken to someone or even prayed with someone about what it is to follow Jesus. So, freely received, now we freely give. Honour others. Because of his great love for us, because he lifted us up, he ascribed value to us, he redeemed our, the original honour that we squandered, now we freely give. Now we are called to bring honour. We are called to take the kingdom of God to places and people who are dishonoured and bring honour. To cultivate the hard soil where generations have been entrenched in dishonour and change cultures around us. God is calling us to courageous honouring of those that cannot honour us back. A couple of weeks ago, um, I went out with the Bournemouth town pastors. And I tell you what, Gary and Chrissy McDermott, the leaders of the town pastors here in Bournemouth, are remarkable people. They have given their life to restoring honour and dignity, to keeping people safe, people that don't even know they need protecting. Every Saturday night, they're out there bringing the kingdom of God to a generation throwing themselves at anything that will numb the pain of their reality. And these town pastors, they don't seek honour for themselves, but they are honoured. The police and the council and the doormen on the, of the nightclubs, they seek out the, the town pastors because they see wisdom and hope and grace when they are in their presence. I see beautiful often honour given in our community hub every day. Sue West and her team may be the only people, only ones that are speaking value into those that are coming to receive food. These people are not receiving any value from anyone and yet they come, they receive their practical need and they leave with honour and dignity bestowed on them. We are called to restore honour out there, but we're also called to restore honour here in our community. And Paul gives us a pattern for this in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, honour those who work hard among you. And in 1 Corinthians 12, don't treat with contempt those parts of the body that seem weak. They are indispensable. Treat them with special honour. There are so many who serve others in order to, to show honour. This church is made up of so many people, most of whom you won't even know. And yet, if they didn't exist, we would be deficient. Even this week, we have become worse off because two of our members have passed away. Sasha Coleman and Malcolm Dodamid are now kneeling before that throne that we read about in Revelation 5 and bringing honour to God just like they did when they were living here on earth. And we also lost Patricia Martin earlier this year too. My goodness, the crowns that these ones will have received. I could list so many people like this. Paul says, honour them. Talk about them like Jesus talks about them. We sometimes become a bit too familiar with each other, don't you think? We need to be a community that appreciates just being around in each other. In Psalm 8, it says, what is mankind that you are mindful of him? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. What would it look like if we honoured people like that? Hey, I got to meet, I got to see Calvin yesterday. Who's Calvin? Who's Calvin? Calvin is anointed by God. Every time I see him, he's smiling and he asks me how I'm doing. And oh my goodness, have you ever 
heard Kelvin pray, you have got to get into a prayer meeting where he's leading it. God has crowned him with glory. And I'm just privileged to just have been in his presence. You see, preferring one another, outdoing one another in showing honour is a decision. Left to our own devices in our fallen state, we wouldn't do it. In our fallen state, the default is to feel good about judging others. We recognise the deficit in them and we judge them and we move them away from us. And then we feel good that we aren't like them. If we leave this kind of attitude to breed, it creates a culture of contempt, which will lead to division and discouragement. People will come into, into our church community and expect to find a Jesus culture and then realize, oh, it's only a theory. Where are you at this morning? Maybe you're thinking, I don't know what you're talking about, Sean. I always find the gold in everyone. Well, often we don't know there is dishonor in us until a conflict comes up. Until we come across someone that doesn't share the same values as us, doesn't look like us, doesn't talk like us. In those kind of situations, all we see is mud. I just want to quickly help us with a couple of practical ways that we can start seeing people the way we should see them through the filter of honor. Firstly, see their story. Um, as a church, we have a membership course called Rooted, and one of the privileges I have with my job is that I get to have one-to-ones with anyone that wants to make this their church community. And you might think, why on earth could, was, would that be the, the privilege of your job? How can it not be? I get to hear your story. I get to hear what Jesus has done in your life. I get to hear what Jesus thinks about you. Secondly, seeing seeing their calling. How often do you ask other people, what do you think God has called you to? And then treat them based on their potential destiny. Understand and support them in it. Learn what they have sacrificed in life. What price have they paid? See their gifts. Pay attention to what they're good at and then recognize that God has gifted them with that gift. How about this, seeing their future? What could they be if people honored and supported them? John Tyson says, recognition is the key to restoration. You see, when something comes up that will test our relationship, I need to recognize God's honor over you and it will make reconciliation possible. We can find gold in the mud of anyone's life. You've just got to go into it expecting to find it. Too often we try and help each other by throwing more mud. We say, you need to stop doing that. You need to stop talking like that. You need to stop wearing that. You need to stop smoking that. And I'm not saying that there isn't a place for speaking truth when it's needed. But what, I'm, what I am saying is that the, it, bringing, the bringing honor is more powerful and more biblical. How about saying, you are, you know that you're crowned with glory? Do you know that you're not a slave to sin anymore? Do you know that you are a royal priesthood? You're gonna be an exceptional father. You are gonna be a good husband. You're too good to live this way. Guys, stop giving in to lust. You're more valuable than that. It's beneath you. Girls, you don't have to throw your body at guys. 
that don't value you like Jesus values you. They aren't worth it. You see, you can hold someone accountable to their godly calling. With truth and grace, we need to remind each other of our value and identity and help us all to live in the good of it. We need to stop just seeing someone's past and instead see their future. Often we can hold someone in their past even as the future is happening. God can put a word in the mouth of someone that we often reject. We can reject God's message because we don't like the packaging. And when you do this, you diminish the potential of the church. You know, that even happened to Jesus in Mark 6. We get the story of Jesus in a town and he's, you know, preaching and doing loads of miracles. And then someone says, hang on, isn't, isn't, that, isn't that the carpenter? Isn't that his brother over there? Hang on a sec, that I know this guy, he's nothing. And Jesus says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town. He could not do many miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Because of a lack of honor, the tap turned off. It was just a trickle. They missed out. Their lack of honor made they lost access. I love the way Mark talks about it. Yeah, he could only heal a couple of sick people. <laughs> I'll take that. But what do they miss out on? Do we miss out? Honor gives you access to other people's anointing. Elisha had a double portion, and yet it was Naaman the Syrian who received access to that anointing because the people of God rejected him. God's not really going to use them. Isn't that, what's his name's daughter? Aren't their kids a bit off the rails? Didn't, didn't he have that blip? Oh yeah, they've got an amazing story of how God saved them. I'm not sure they can lead that ministry. The old is gone and the new has come. So you may be saying, Sean, yeah, okay, I'm on board. I can see how a community that lives like this can change culture. But what happens if I keep trying to honour people and they just continually dishonour me? Even after I've spoken the truth in grace in that situation. I'd say to you, maybe it's time to move on. Jesus, in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, said, don't cast your pearls among swine. Don't repeatedly throw this incredible treasure bought at great cost before people that can't perceive its value. Elsewhere, Jesus says, shake off the dust off your feet if people don't receive your message. Find people of peace and work with them. That's a dangerous thing for me to say because... You might have been asleep through, the, <laughs> through everything else I've said and you could use that as justification to live a comfortable life with people that just look like you. Well, even the tax collectors did that. What does an honour community look like? Well, there are shining glimpses of it here, but there is work to be done. And so I just want to open up some time for ministry um, right now and I just want to throw out a couple of ways that you could respond this morning. How is God calling you to cultivate the soil of honour here in the church? Maybe you need to reconcile with someone that you have dishonoured. Maybe you need to ask help to even consider the possibility of forgiving someone who's dishonoured you. 
Maybe you've been lied to. Maybe you've even been abused and lied to, which has ingrained these lies over you, that you are not of value. You don't deserve dignity. Well, that is a lie of the devil. And those people that lie to you have no hold over your life. God's testimony over you is what really matters. You're a child of God. You need to live in the good of that. Why don't you come forward and receive prayer, receive honour, receive dignity. Maybe God is calling you to cultivate the soil which is riddled with contempt and dishonour in your workplace, in your university, in your school, in your friendship group. It's going to take immense courage and compassion to do it. And you need to be filled with the Spirit and sent out again. Finally, is there a part of your life where you are dishonouring God? Maybe it's with your body. Maybe it's with your lack of faith. Maybe it's with the lack of courage in your workplace. Maybe you've not stood up for the name of Jesus and actually chosen to be part of the crowd which is creating a toxic environment. Dishonour attracts dishonour. It feels good to gossip, doesn't it? It makes you feel really connected. Honour attracts honour. Church, we... Revival is coming. And we want to be on the Godward side of that. 